0: Your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
1: So I say D. I say D-O. D-O-D. D-O-D-G. D-O-D-G-E-R-S. Team, 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 team.
2: Hello Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. This is the daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential, along with Vince Semperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends. Hey Vince, how are you?
1: I'm all right. Uh, Unlike last night's umpire, we'll be good at our jobs today
2: yeah we are we are going to uh not suck and show Dan Iasonia up big time yeah so uh on today's episode we are going to talk about uh Dan Dan Iasonia's strike zone and uh Cody Bellinger getting ejected and Dave Roberts not getting ejected and you know kind of stuff like that and then we're going to talk about Kike Hernandez's injury and uh Austin Barnes's continued suckage and what those things might mean for the roster going forward. And uh, yeah, I think that's about it. But first, we want to let you know that today's show is brought to you in part by Postmates. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. For a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code On. We also want to remind you to subscribe to Locked On Dodgers in Himalaya or wherever you get your podcasts. And when you get in your car in the morning, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. Okay, Vince. So uh, from the very get go in last night's game, Dodgers' yeah. first batter of the game was Jock Peterson. He worked a 3 0 count, and then he worked a 4 0 count, but the umpire called it a 3 1 count. Then he worked a 5 0 count, but the umpire called it a 3 2 count. And then he fouled the pitch off, and then he struck out looking at a pitch that was probably on the corner. Um, maybe the first pitch, I don't remember where the foul ball was, but yeah. Uh, yeah uh, it, it's hard to throw uh, that many pitches out of the strike zone and get a strikeout out of the deal. But uh, whatever, Jaime Berea did it, thanks to Diane Hyasonia. And Jock ended up walking two more times in the game. Uh his ball four in his first walk was basically the same pitch that was strike one in, in his first at-bat, uh, and ball four in his second walk was very similar too. Um, so maybe I Sonya learned. Uh, but then we saw in the eighth inning, Cody Bellinger was up, and with a 1-0 count, he took ball two, but unfortunately the umpire called it strike one. And then he took ball three, but unfortunately the umpire called it strike, th- strike two. So instead of a three-o count, Bellinger was in a one-two count, which is a big old swing. And these aren't—if uh, you weren't watching the game, you know th- this might sound like normal umpire griping. We're not talking about pitches that you—you know—were barely outside. These were pitches that were multiple inches outside, and there's no excuse to—to to be missing them. Um, and and Bellinger let his displeasure be known there in the box he ended up striking out looking at a pitch right down the middle um you know it's it's a different at bat when it's one and two instead of three and oh um and I, one of the frustrating things for me is be- bellinger can hit that pitch he's hit it before he's hit it over the fence before because he stands close to the plate and he's got long limbs as he said on social media uh but he's trying to be a team player, thinking, you know what, we've got to run around first. If I take a walk, we've got the tying run and scoring position with some big hitters coming up. He's trying to be a team player, and, and the umpire screws him over. And so, anyway, long story short, or at least slightly less long, uh, after the inning, A.J. Pollock came up and hit a get inning-inning double play after that, and then Bellinger uh, informed Dan Iasonia where he could take his strike zone and put it. And Iasonia informed him where he would be watching the rest of the game from, which was the locker room. And uh, Dave Roberts argued some too, did not get ejected, and so we've got a few things to talk about there, Vince. What should we talk about first?
1: Uh, let's just talk about you know I'll talk I'll touch a little bit on the as well. I mean he was like I said he was bad in general, not just those two at bats that you pointed out, uh, but those were obviously the egregious ones that stood out. And I think the worst part about it is, okay, first inning, the Jock Peterson one. You know, Jock would have had a walk, yeah, but Jock still was competitive that at bat. He completely took Cody Bellinger out of his element with the in that last at bat. Uh, where Bellinger, I mean, literally looked at a fastball right down the middle, and and he kind of knew that. You know, he just walked away like, yeah, that at bat, you know, got taken away from me pretty much, and that that part sucks. Uh, but, you know, transitioning from that, uh, the thing I had an issue with is Dave Roberts not getting ejected in that particular uh, point of the game, uh, late in the game, protecting your star player. You know, it might be a little cliche and old school thinking or whatever you want to be, but I think it's still, you know, it serves a purpose. We saw the Aaron Boone video that went viral. I mean, that was in the first inning and he, you know, let the umpire know he got ejected. Uh, I'm not advocating for, you know, Dave Roberts to get ejected every time the umpire is bad, but I think in that sense, from that night, uh, you know, in in that, you know, your your main guy, I think Dave Roberts has got to go get tossed right there and, you know, kind of show his team that he's got their back. Uh, Not that I don't, you know, I don't think it's going to change their perspective of Dave Roberts. I know they know he has their back, but I would have liked to have seen him, you know, kind of take that bullet and, Cody probably wouldn't have gotten of that about the rest of the game, but, you know, kind of maybe stay in the game and, you know, not have him ejected rather than the manager.
2: Yeah, you know, and and I see your point. Uh, I honestly, I think if this had been in the first inning, it's more likely that Roberts would have got ejected because it would have been more important to keep Cody in the game. Uh, in that point, at that point in the game, unless they go to extra innings, he wasn't getting up again. And, you know, not like extra innings were out of the question. They were down by one run, but the the chances of him, of it affecting the team were a lot lower. Uh, and, you know, I, I go back and forth. Uh, let, like you said, it's not like the team doesn't know that Roberts has their back. And so if it's just eyewash, then, you know, I'm not really in favor of doing anything just for appearance sake or just because the fans want you to do it. And so, uh, you know, if Cody knows, if Cody already knows that Roberts has his back, Roberts doesn't need to go get himself tossed to, to show that. And maybe, I mean, uh, Cody was up on the top step for a few minutes talking to Roberts and Garen before he got ejected, you know, after his strikeout, he was up there talking to him. And so we don't know what conversation they had. Um, But, you know, I think it's pretty clear that Roberts knew that Bellinger was going to go get himself tossed, you know? And so, Roberts couldn't maybe it was Roberts way of saying, "Yeah, Cody, you deserve this, you know. Go go get your money's worth." Um or or at least, you know, Roberts had plenty of opportunities to to tell Cody, "No, you go sit down. I'm going to get myself tossed for this. You go go play some defense, bring home a win." You know, and, and he didn't. And and I I'm not really of a mind to to second guess that. I think different managers have different styles. You know, Aaron Boone's was – honestly, if the mic hadn't been hot, nobody would have even noticed Aaron Boone's, you know. Um, but the fact that we could hear the words he was saying changed it up a little bit. But I, I don't think what Boone did was really that out out of the ordinary for what a lot of managers do, and that's not really Dave Roberts' style. And, uh, you know, there was an article in The Athletic the other day actually talking about that, and one thing that, that Roberts said I really liked. He said – an environment of complaining and using the umpire as an excuse. I just think our players are better than that, and that starts with me. And, you know, one thing I like, that the Dodgers, they don't get into that petty crap. They don't very often argue with the umps, you know. Um, even Justin Turner questions a lot of calls, and this year he questions a lot of pitches that were strikes. Um, but for the most part, the Dodgers don't get on the umps very much, and and I like that, just like I like that they don't, throw pitches at hitters on purpose, you know, it's, it's a little bit better bound base, baseball, a little bit more mature. And, and I think Roberts is pretty spot on when he says uh, the environment starts with the manager. And if you're a manager who is constantly griping at the umps, a, it's not going to help your team get, get more calls and B, you know, it, it sets the tone. And, and I like the tone that Roberts has set for the team for the most part.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, the rest of the time, yeah. For me, it just felt like that's a time and place where, you know, you, eighth inning, Roberts really only has one managerial move to make, and that's, you know, Jansen's coming in next inning. If they go to extra innings, you know, that's that's a different story. But, uh, you know, like I said, we don't know what the conversation was, but for me right there, you know, just a little of the old school. And I'd like to see Roberts, you know, get tossing. you know, maybe. Who knows if it – I don't think it's going to light a fire under them, but it's, you know – yeah, and it might be eye wash, but I, I don't know. For me, that just I would have liked to have seen that right there in that instance, where it really was no consequence. Like I said, there was no real consequence for Bellinger getting tossed, unless they had gone next training. There's no really consequence for Roberts getting tossed in next training. So, you no, know, whatever it was, I'm sure they're not gonna say. But uh, at least from what we see, I would have preferred to see it the other way. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter, because like I said, I I still believe I don't believe that the team has any objections to Roberts or think that he doesn't have their back.
2: Yeah. And really, and going against what I said, one reason it would have been nice to not have Cody tossed would have been still having David freeze available off the bench so that Austin Barnes wouldn't have got to hit in the ninth inning. Um, But you know, chances are that doesn't make much of a difference either. Um, All right. Uh, Anything else you want to say about Iasonia in general and being a super crappy piece of garbage umpire?
1: No. Uh, it's just, I don't know what's going to happen moving forward with umpires, but I feel like this year has been really bad, or maybe it's just heightened because, you know, we actually have the technology now for robot umpires or whatever, but, uh, you know, something, something's got to happen, uh, because I mean, it's not just against the Dodgers. It's a, the, the Dodgers have benefited from it too, uh, throughout the year, but it's just, you know, it seems like, We've seen a lot more bad umpires, especially with strikes and balls this year.
2: Yeah, and I think he's equally bad for both teams is about the worst justification you can make for an umpire's performance. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he if he sucks, he sucks, you know, and guys shouldn't be getting paid money to do jobs that, that suck. And now I'm, I guess I'm talking about Dan Iasonia and Austin Barnes, but, you know. We'll talk more about Austin Barnes in a minute when we come back. Uh, we're going to go to break. First, we want to re- let you know that today's show is also brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. Be like Jeff. Also, if you spend a lot of time in the car, and let's face it, you might if you live in Los Angeles. Uh, if we're not filling all of your your commuting podcasting needs, check out Locked on MLB, hosted by Paul Francis Sullivan, at a.k.a. Sully. Uh, It's a fun show, similar format to ours, talks about all of Major League Baseball. So check out Lockdown MLB, and we will be right back. okay welcome back to locked on dodgers uh before we jump into our next segment let's do our obscure former dodger of the day this one um he might be before your time vince let's see yep he threw his last pitch for the dodgers when you were less than a year old so you probably don't remember him uh at least not as a dodger he did pitch until through 2002 uh Left-handed relief pitcher for the most part. Uh, He was a starter early in his career, but for the Dodgers, he was almost exclusively a reliever. His name is Dennis Cook. Are you familiar with Dennis Cook, Vince?
1: I don't think so.
2: So Dennis Cook, like I said, left-handed reliever. He pitched for nine different teams in his 15-year career. Uh, 665 games pitched, only 71 starts. So like I said, almost exclusively a reliever. 391 ERA which is good for a 106 ERA plus so slightly better than league average over the course of his career. He was a two-time world champion. He pitched in the uh, 19 no where is it postseason? We can't find this on baseball reference all of a sudden. Uh, he pitched for the in the 1997 World Series for the Marlins that they won. Uh, pitched in three games, three and two-thirds innings, uh, one hit, no runs allowed. And then he was a member of the 2002 Angels. He didn't pitch in the postseason at all, but he uh, he was a member of that team. He also pitched for the Mets in the 2000 World Series. And uh, again, uh, or two, two-thirds of an inning pitched, no runs allowed, three walks, three walks in two-thirds of an inning, three walks and a hit. And somehow didn't allow a run. That's impressive. Um, but yeah, so he pitched in the World Series twice, was a member of two World Series winning teams. Um, one notable thing about Dennis Cook, he was deaf in one ear, which, uh, you know, I don't know why I remember that or why I ever knew it, but uh, I remember that about him. He later, he was, in 2010, he was announced as Team Sweden's head coach. Uh, for the the World Baseball Classic. And, uh, yeah, that's Dennis Cook. Uh, the reason I thought of him, I was looking at players who played for both the Dodgers and Angels, and he was one of them. He also played for the Mets, Phillies, Indians, Giants, Rangers, Marlins, and White Sox in his career. Uh, mostly, see, his most innings pitched was with the Phillies. Most games pitched was with the Mets. Uh, but he did play two seasons, parts of two seasons, total of 25 games with the Dodgers. That's Dennis Cook, our obscure former Dodger of the day. Um, So now uh, in in last night's game, Kike Hernandez hurt himself on a swing. He finishes at bat, but then came out of the game. X-rays were negative, uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean we won't have an injured list stint coming. And Kike potentially going on the IL is very intriguing because right now Kike is basically the only guy on the team who can play shortstop besides Corey Seager and so if he were to go on the injured list they would probably want to replace him with somebody who can play some shortstop and maybe somebody who could uh, start a lot of games at second base like Kike has been and you know who fits that bill pretty well Vince I think I have an idea a young man named Gavin Lux who is tearing the cover off the ball in triple a. Uh, he's a shortstop by trade, but they have had him playing some second base, most likely because the Dodgers have a shortstop. And, uh, you know, partially also because Lux has struggled defensively a little bit, uh, at shortstop, but, uh, you know, Gavin Lux, if Kike goes on injured list, it's hard to picture anybody other than Lux getting the call up. I, I, I can't think of anybody else who would make sense. There's nobody on the 40-man roster who makes sense. And if you're adding somebody to the 40, it might as well be the top prospect who's ripping the cover off the ball, right?
1: Yeah, hold on. This alarm's going off.
2: That's all right. Just keep talking. Our listeners know that you live in L.A.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it would have to be Gavin Lux. I mean, Edwin Rios is already on the 40-man, but he doesn't play shortstop, and they would need you know, some kind of shortstop. And Dave Seager doesn't play. Uh, Chris Taylor's still a while out from from playing again. So, yeah, I mean, it would have to be Gavin Lux to have two spots open on the forty man currently. Uh, of that, obviously, that we assume would be for future trades. But uh calling up Gavin Lux would also apply for that. So, yeah, I mean, if if it is something that puts him on the on the Kike, if there's something that puts Kike on the IL. I can't imagine there's any other move other than that. And and maybe we'll get to see him, you know, shine and, and kind of take a spot and take charge, uh, kind of like Corey Seager did in 2015.
2: Yeah, and uh, along with that, you know, as long as they're calling up Gavin Lux, you know, we talked about the one guy who stood behind the plate in uh, protective gear and had a lousy game. Uh, there's another guy who has spent a lot of time in protective gear behind the plate having lousy games for the Dodgers for a while. That's Austin Barnes. Um, you know, and really Russell Martin too. The Dodgers catching situation as a whole right now at the major league level is uh really bad. And recently I think we mentioned here on this show, uh Kaybert Ruiz was promoted to triple A. And, you know, the Oklahoma City, they do get to use the DH sometimes. Uh and and so there is sometimes a spot to get Ruiz and Smith will Smith both in the game. Uh, but both of them are guys who need to be catching pretty much every day. And so uh, with a trade deadline coming up in less than a week, you know, maybe, maybe one of them gets traded and that question gets answered, but I sure wouldn't mind seeing Gavin Lux at second base and Will Smith at catcher uh, on the major league Dodgers. And it, I think it's pretty rare. I'd have to look, and I don't know, you know, even know how I'd look. But for a team to be, you know, the best team or one of the best teams in baseball uh, at this point in the season, and then replace a couple starting spots with rookies, doesn't seem like it happens very often. I know with uh, with Corey Seager when he came up in September the year before his rookie year, he basically immediately took the starting shortstop job and and took it into the postseason. Uh, but, but at this point in July or August to, to say, okay, we're going with, with rookies at second base and catcher would be probably close to unprecedented, but it sure does seem to make sense for this team. Don't you think?
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, with Barnes at this point, you know, we don't want to be piling on the guy. We like the guy, but you know, he's under 200 now. He's been bad for a while now. And the thing with him is that, you know, the that they talk about the defense and which other than framing and I mean blocking his defense isn't, you know, well, other than these throwing uh, we saw him throw a ball away that ended up becoming a run in in last night's game. He, I don't remember the last time he threw out a runner and you know, he's still a good framer by the numbers, but I don't know for me, he just looks weird back there sometimes when he tries to frame uh, and I mean, the other thing is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's he's just – he's popping everything up. He 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 got a hit in the Marlins series, but, you know, every time he gets a hit, you're like, oh, maybe he's going to turn it around, but nope, he just keeps popping everything up. He's not bringing anything of value. And, and like we said, I think maybe last week, is at some point you got to realize that Will Smith might be your starting catcher in the postseason, and you kind of want him to get as many starts – with all your starting rotation, in order to get them comfortable and get them situated, and make sure they have everything on, on you know, on deck ready to go. Uh, so I, you know, I can't see this going on much longer. But we keep saying that, and it does keep going on much longer. So uh, I don't know what needs to happen, or if it's already happened, or they're waiting until after the deadline, or what. I don't know what. Maybe they're waiting until after the deadline because they're not sure if they might trade Will Smith. Uh, so I think that I think that might be the thing that's holding it back right now.
2: Yeah, that could be because you've got, you know, I, I think it's really, really likely that either Smith or Ruiz gets traded in the next week. And if it is going to be, if it's going to be Smith, then it makes sense that you wouldn't want to install him as the starting catcher at the major league level right before that happens. Yeah. Um, and, and so, yeah, we have been saying for a while that that Smith would be a better option. But I, I do think both of us have understood why they hadn't pulled the trigger. But I think in the next week or two, it's going to be time to pull that trigger. Um So that, basically as soon as they trade Ruiz, then they need to make Smith the starting catcher. And maybe, I mean, Austin Barnes has an option left. Maybe Austin Barnes becomes the triple A catcher for a little while, you know? Um yeah, I mean, he,
1: they've, they sent that guy down before they sent Puig down, which was Jock a little bit too, right? Yeah, a little bit different reasons. Yeah. But Jock, Jock was, a, little, Jack was in a really a issue with, you know, whatever Puig's issues were. That was more of a, you're not, you know, performing. So, yeah, I mean, they shouldn't be scared to put him down if they need to. Uh, obviously, you know, you, you worry about his confidence, but I can't see how there's any confidence in what he's doing right now.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, a- and, you know, Smith is also a really good defensive catcher. Framing numbers are good. His arm is great. You know basically, he is there's nothing that Austin Barnes is better than Will Smith at, and there are uh, there's one big thing at least that Will Smith is better than Austin Barnes at. Um, you know, it's we saw those quality at bats from Smith. you know, you talked about him even when he struck out three times in a game, he he saw 25 pitches or whatever, and it's like Austin Barnes is like, "Hey, uh, can we just start with an O2 count?" Do we have to go through the formalities of me looking at two pitches down the pipe? Uh, And, and yeah, I, I could go for some of those tough at bats and, and Gavin Lux, you know, he's more of a wild card. We've seen what Smith can do. Uh, Lux isn't going to come up and tear the cover off the ball in the majors like he is in triple a, but you know, if Kike is hurt and needs 10 days off, it could be a blessing in disguise to get Lux to get his feet wet in the big leagues.
1: Yeah. And yeah, I mean, the biggest point with, with Smith and Lux, like I said, with Lux a wild card, the bar isn't so low for what he has to, you know, Kike, Kike has struggled, but, you know, he still has put up relatively respectable numbers to a certain extent, whereas Barnes, the bar is very, very low for Will Smith. He can come in and be not great and still be better than what the Dodgers have at catcher right now. Yep.
2: All right. That'll wrap it up for today. Uh, The Dodgers are off today. They're flying to Washington, D.C. to start a series with the Nationals for the weekend. Uh, We'll be back tomorrow with an episode, an off-day episode. We're hoping that there's, you know, maybe there's a big trade that happens today that that we can talk about on tomorrow's episode. If not, we'll bring you something fun. Uh, Shoot us your questions. We're always, uh, you know, more likely to do a mailbag episode on an off day, so uh, feel free to tweet us any questions you have for a mailbag episode. Uh, and we'll be back tomorrow. Remember, you can subscribe to the show in Himalaya or whatever podcast app you like. The best things you can do to help us are subscribe to the show, tell your friends, and rate and review us in iTunes. We are on Twitter and Instagram at LockedOnDodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Emperio, and I am on Twitter at Snydog. Uh, you can call and leave us a voicemail anytime you want. The number is 323-863-LOCK, L-O-C-K. We are here every weekday morning. We hope you will be too. When you get in your car, tell your smart toys to play podcast Locked on Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree, you so just have to listen. I we'll talk to you later. Say
1: have a good D-O. one. I say D-O D-O-D-G-E-R-S
2: The team that's all heart, all heart and all thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, you Los Angeles Our
1: Los Angeles Do you think we'll really win the
2: pennant? Bye